We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. going on pace nation welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex golden and joining me is the lovely the one and only michael j Fachi. Fachi, we got a special guest coming on today let the people know who it is that we do we have bob kravitz coming on a recurring guest bob's been on quite a few times always insightful when he does you know hop on the show and uh, he's got a lot to discuss today i don't want to spoil what we're getting into but uh it's gonna be a fun conversation yeah absolutely the trade deadline is rapidly approaching Fachi, so we're kind of sitting on our hands here waiting to see if anything happens but until then we're just kind of in sitting uh wait mode and the pacers probably not going to be as busy as they were last year Fachi. i don't think so and it's disappointing because the the trade deadline is like the mystery box of anything could happen at any time and last year we didn't expect the tyrese halberd demonta sabonis trade so i can't rule out that something fun or exciting could happen but the way things have been trending, it's been a really quiet deadline. Pacers have been rumored for some players, but I don't think they're going to be major players at the deadline. You never know what's up, Kevin Pritchard's sleeve. I was asked today on the radio, one and a half players traded under over. My my bet was over. Fachi, I'm curious what yours would be. I'm going to say under. I, I think the Pacers really do look to find a home for Goga. I think it's going to be an underwhelming move. Because I don't see him cracking the rotation, uh, you know, following the trade deadline. But I, I just like Chris Duarte's value is not where you wanted to be. I don't see the Pacers moving a guy like O'Shea. And if you're going to move one of those smaller contracts, it would have to be a much bigger deal. And I don't know if I see the Pacers pulling off like a splash at the deadline, but they could look to flip a guy or two for maybe an additional pick just to clean this rotation up a bit especially as it relates to the bigs. Yeah, no, I, I get that. It's 
I said Goga and Tice would be the two moved. They asked me to give the names that I picked, so that's that. But uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break, Fachi. We don't want to talk too much. We got Bob Kravitz coming on. He's going to give us a lot of information. So Bob will be joining us right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody joining us now on Setting the Pace from The Athletic. It's Bob Kravitz. Bob does a great job covering the Colts and the Pacers, and we are here to talk Pacers. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the Colts, too, that you can check out Bob's work and make sure you read all that on the coaching search. But, Bob, how's it going, man? Welcome back. It's going good, man. Nothing major happened this weekend. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's ah, good well, for sure. <laughs> uh, but no, there was an interesting story that came out with you and Sam yeah. Amick reporting on that. Uh, a little incident involving the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant, and some of his uh, entourage, I guess you could say, that was with him. And there was obviously some stuff that happened during the game. Play, people were escorted off the, the court and then stuff that happened afterwards. So I, I don't want to get too deep into like all the details, but maybe just kind of walk us through some of the stuff you heard, some of the stuff you reported on, and maybe give us a little bit more of a, of a backstory of what's happening. Yeah, basically I found out uh, it was a late Friday night that uh, this had occurred and the the pacers uh i talked with a couple of people who are in their traveling party and they made it very clear what happened that um uh some of uh, john morant's associates i guess we called them uh his friends um got very verbal uh not only during the game but after the game they're waiting for them pretty much in the loading dock after the game and after John Morant came out, he went into a car, an SUV. There were two cars that these guys were driving. And the uh, SUV drove really close to the bus. And a red laser was aimed at the, at the Pacers people. They were scared to death. The security person uh, on uh, with the group was overheard saying that's, 100% a gun. Uh, I don't think he was doing a PowerPoint presentation at that moment. So yeah. I think a gun is probably damn likely. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's kind of where it's at. The uh, NBA looked into it. The Grizzlies say they looked into it. Um, you've got two organizations here, the NBA and the Grizzlies, who really don't want this story coming out who really don't want people thinking ill of uh, one of the top young players in the league. 
but there it is. Um, and and there's there's precedent for this. They've they've had problems on and off the floor, not only with Ja, but especially with his associates. So uh, the Pacers are very upset. They felt threatened, and that's where we are. You know, obviously a scary scene. It's it's easy for a lot of people to make light of it, but those in the moment, I mean, obviously could have been fearing for the worst. I know that we heard in the article that there was a few Pacer players that were, you know, maybe going back and forth or part of that verbal altercation. Was there any names in specific of the members of the team that might have been involved? No, I, I'm i not aware of specific players. All I was told was there were players, um, there were coaches, and there were members of the support staff, both men and women. So that that's as specific as I got. I'm I'm just curious. I don't know if you can follow up on this or if you have any information. But obviously, when the red laser was shining, after that, how did that all kind of die down eventually? Did they just drive off, or well, they drove off. Yeah. Okay. They uh, what happened was they they were parked. They they, they came uh, within 20, 30 feet of the Pacers when they're yelling and screaming and threatening them. Uh, then um, they went back when Jock came out of the locker room, they went back to their cars. At that point, the one SUV that Ja was in slowed up, uh, went by the Pacers bus. And that's when the red laser was aimed at the, uh, at the Pacers traveling party. So um, they were very, they were convinced that it was a gun. And again, I don't think it was a PowerPoint presentation. I don't think so either. And at this point, it's just, you know, you mentioned John Morant, very special talent, definitely does not need to be involved in these type of situations because you, know, you want to just talk about Ja, the human being, Ja, the player, and there's a lot right. to like over there. But you want to obviously make sure you're surrounding yourself with you know people that are not going to put you in a dangerous situation. Um, right. But Yeah, I was just going to say, you know what it reminds me of, guys, and you're a little young to remember this, but in the early days of Allen Iverson, there are very similar concerns he was surrounding himself with people who didn't have his best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And um, this feels like the Allen Iverson situation all over again. And to your point over there, I know Allen Iverson, Michael Vick grew up in a similar part of Virginia and, and it was the same knock on Michael Vick. And I know he ended up getting dragged down by people and, you know, his associates, friends, whatever you want to call them. So obviously we don't want that to happen to anyone and we don't want to be putting anyone in harm's way not just players but coaches people of the training staff all the above but now bob we're also you know kind of transitioning we got about 48 hours to go into the nba trade deadline it's been quiet out here and the trade deadline is always a really fun time with typically a lot of movement but the pacers are that team really maybe you could make an argument as stuck in the middle as it gets Yes. They're in the playing territory right now, but they're also a couple losses away from potentially picking top five. Right. See the Pacers as buyers or sellers with two days to go. I think they're either do nothing people or they're sellers. Um, I, I think that they're going to make some moves around the edges, the fringes, uh, as it were. Um, I, I don't see them going out and getting, getting an Ananobi or getting a John Collins or a Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I don't see them doing that. I, I think they want to uh, hold on to their to their draft pick. I, I think they realize, I think in a really weird way, this latest losing streak is kind of good. 
You yeah. know, I, I think it's been good for this organization to understand that, you know, they're in a situation where if they just lose one player, they are really in bad shape. And especially if that one player happens to be Tyrese Halliburton. So I think it became clear to them that they need they need a lot more uh, uh, help. So I, I think, again, you know, lo- losing has, I think, made them understand that they need to be sellers, if anything, at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And obviously, Carlisle's been saying it almost every interview that I've heard him do talking about the 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 roster just you know we got to get more talent on it so there's no doubt about it there's a shortage of talent in terms of being a, an elite contender but in terms of sellers are there any players in mind that you think they'd be willing to to sell that aren't maybe some of your lower level players kind of like your Goga Batadze as we know like he's a guy that's obviously out of the rotation right. but maybe a bigger name kind of like a Buddy Hill guy Duarte, Buddy Hill. I don't know what you think about Buddy or not, but that's an interesting yeah. One. I, you know, it, it's weird with Buddy. That's a tough one because they've got the money to afford him. Mm-hmm. I realize he's thirty years old, but you look at great shooters. You look at the Reggies and the and the um, you know guys like that. Shooters can shoot until their late thirties. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he's a super athletic guy um, who uh, is going to lose his edge at the age of 33 or what have you. I Guys who can shoot, shoot really uh, late into their careers. So uh, I think they hold on to heel. I think Duarte and maybe uh, those two lower or later uh, first-round picks are more likely to be moved if they make any move at all. And if the Pacers are to not find a new home for Goga, do you think they ride this out to the end of the year, or do you think they could potentially look at a buyout situation? Because with Daniel Tice returning, it, it's he ain't, feels, he ain't playing. It feels impossible to get Goga on the court, and you kind of wish he could go somewhere to be able to get on the court. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think you're looking at a buyout situation probably, but I don't have a lot of insight on that, so I'm not going to BS you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and speaking of Daniel Tice, he's a name too that – Kind of feels like he could be a player that they do look to try to sell off right. of as well. Veteran veteran player that could help a, a playoff team in that rotation. Comes right in once he gets back from injury and takes Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith back up five minutes. So, I mean, what do you think the Pacers really look like they're going to be able to do with Daniel Tice? I mean, is this something that they're looking just to get off his money, maybe get a second-round pick? I mean, what do you think the value is for Tice? Yeah, I think, I think they're a seller there. I mean, uh, Tice is not – thrilled me in the few games that he's played. I, I don't think he fits really well into what they're doing. I, I think he's a guy that they're going to look to move um, here in the next couple of days. Well, speaking of a guy that the Pacers didn't move, Miles Turner. I mean, yeah. pa- Pacer Nation. How, how wrong was I, boys? <laughs> it's not just you, though. I mean, no one really felt confident the Pacers could get a deal done prior to, A, either their deadline or, B, Prior to free agency, the Pacers end up avoiding that whole mess of you know negotiating during free agency. They sign Turner to two additional years, but they get very crafty with the remaining salary cap they had for this year. What was your initial reaction on the Miles Turner extension? Well, first shock, because again, as you guys know, I was completely convinced that he wasn't going to resign here. But I thought it was brilliantly done, and I think it puts them in a position where if Miles isn't terrific the rest of the year, 
he's he's very tradable. I mean, he's at what twenty two and nineteen the the next two years. That yeah. is a great contract for anybody who wants to make a deal. Uh, I think uh, you know. I mean, we're we're saying that you know he's not going to be traded. Obviously, this this year, but if they he's still going to be uh, rumored to be traded uh, from here on out. So, you know, and that's, and that's smart. I think they want to find out if we give this guy this big money, will he stay as motivated and inspired as he's been all season in a year where it's a contract year and he needed to play extraordinarily well. Will he continue to do so? If he does, then maybe you hold on to him. If he doesn't, then I think you move off him. Yeah, I was going to say it was an interesting wording. I, I mean, but I think it was purposeful with what your article said. You know, you said Turner's, you know, resigned. He's here for at least this year. Yeah, and you know, you left that open window there in terms of them maybe uh, moving off of him, like you said in the off season. And I even had some friends that were like, everybody's talking about, you know, all the Turner rumors are dead now. He's resigned. They're no. like, they're like, no way. They're just getting started, boys. Yeah, they just made his contract even more tradable more enticing for people to trade for him. So, I mean, Absolutely. I don't I don't necessarily think they need to move off of him. I think he's been really awesome this great. year. I mean, 27 and 10 the other night against the Cavs, even though they took the loss. I mean, still was probably one of the only productive players on the team. So, you yeah. know, wh- why do you think they're so non-committal to Miles overall instead of just saying, hey, we want him for the next three years. We're just committed completely. I mean, they did this big press conference. Why do you think there's still that open window of a trade? I, I think they don't know how he's going to play when he doesn't have that carrot at the end of the stick uh, of, of a big contract. I mean, this was, again, he's going into free agency. It's contract year. If you're ever going to play, and that's why people are like, oh, he's going to be upset about the DeAndre Ayton thing. I said, no, he's got a chance to make a lot of money. He's going to come out and play great. And he has. He's been He's been absolutely terrific. Everything you could possibly want from him. But I think the way this this deal is structured, he's very much um, a guy who is going to be on the trade block because teams don't have to – he's not a rental anymore. You know, he's going to be a guy who has a couple of years left on his deal. So I think it was good for the Pacers, and I think it was, it was good for Miles, and I think – it, it gives them flexibility. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it was a win-win for both parties. I feel like Turner probably could have fetched a little bit more on the open market if teams did not have a need for centers. But yeah, he probably could have gotten a longer. Yes, exactly. Contract, but uh, you keep in mind he'll become a free agent at the age of twenty-eight, and that's also the year that the uh, NBA TV deal comes up. And there's every reason to believe that there's going to be a lot more money in the kitty. And he's going to be in a situation where he could really clean up if he's playing well. Yeah, being able to hit free agency once more for Turner while still, you know, looked at in his prime or prior to mm-hmm. turning at least 30 years old. Great opportunity for Miles, especially how the team's set up now with Tyrese Halliburton. We've already seen that, you know, Tyrese is able to get the best out of everyone. But, yeah. look, you know, looking at the team, I mean – Bob, coming into the year, Pacers predicted to win, say, 23, 24 games. They're at 25 wins right now. 25 and 30 already matched last year's win total. However, right. obviously, given the start, at one point being 23 and 18, 
it, it feels like it's hard to call this year an overall success. But obviously, if it wasn't for that Tyrese Halliburton injury, things could be very well different. How I, I, I think it's been a success, to be honest with you, because they are building something really good here. At the same time, they still may be a top five, top seven, get a top five or top seven pick in what everybody says is a really good, really deep draft that goes well beyond Wembanyama. I mean, Scoot Henderson, all these guys, uh, George Baylor. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of players out there. So I think this has been a success because we found out that guys like Neesmith can play. We found out that Halliburton can be an all-star. Uh, we've seen what Miles can do. Buddy Heald is, you know, having one of the best seasons, if not his best season of his career. So I think even if they go in the dumper at this point, I think it's been a pretty uh, pretty successful season by most standards. Definitely exceeded expectations for sure. I don't think anybody had them, you know, at, at the 10th seat in the Eastern Conference. A lot of people had them, you know, 13, 14, 15. Nobody expected oh, yeah. this. So they, they've done really well. I think that month of December was super fun, and, and it was kind of nice to see them, like, top five in the East for a little bit, just like, okay, is this real or yeah. not? And I think I think we all kind of knew that it wasn't real, and we were waiting for that moment to, like, crush them. But who would have thought that it would have been a it would have taken a Halliburton injury really to kind of put them this far under uh you know in the in the in the win win loss column? But you know I'm just kind of curious because we talked about Buddy Hield being a great shooter, what he can do. Obviously, I don't anticipate them trading him this year, probably not next year either. I mean he'll be an expiring next year, so that can always change. But Benedict Matherm feels like the future at the two guard. But since Halliburton's come back, it looks like his minutes have dropped. And it looks like Carlisle's leash looks a little bit tighter on him than usual. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I was at the game the other day against uh, the Lakers, and Benedict played, I think, 20 minutes. Yeah, 20. Yeah, and, he, and I was at the Kings game, and there was this moment where he had this isolation play in the second quarter on the right side, right in front of the bench. And it was like Tice was like in the post, and then Tice just kind of cleared out from Matherin to isolate. And as soon as he went to the isolation, Carlisle looked down and uh, called for Nimhard to come to the scorer's table, and I thought – that's kind of weird. I was in the balcony, so I couldn't really tell what was being said, but I just thought that's kind of bizarre. And then they put Ty- Tyrese back in as well from McConnell, and McConnell slammed the table when he came out at the scorer's table. So I thought, man, something must be going on here where there's just like this tighter leash for whatever reason with Mather. Maybe they're just doing something that they don't like. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure, and I have not asked Rick about that, but if this continues, uh, I'll definitely bring it up. Um, I was surprised, too. I mean, Nemhard, Nemhard played, what, 30 30- something minutes the other night yeah. against the Lakers and Benedict 20 minutes. I mean, that yeah. something, something's going on. Um, you know, I remember early in the season, Rick saying it's just a matter of time before this guy's in the starting lineup and right. he's still, he's still their big scorer off the bench. And I don't mind that as long as he's playing down the stretch, you know, mm-hmm. as long as he's getting significant minutes. So I'm as confused as you are. And that's okay. definitely a question that, needs needs to be asked exactly it's not like matherin hasn't proved something where uh, this is why he's not in the starting lineup. clearly they like him off the bench being that go-to score there and and it makes sense and at times it's it's been a really good move but do you think the fact that the pacers got off to such a hotter start above expectations that it's kind of inhibited some of the younger players that we've now seen chris duarte isaiah jackson at times fall out of the rotation when those are 
two guys that everybody was very high on last year and expected a bigger jump in year two. Yeah, I I, I wonder if they just kind of fell in love with the idea of winning, mm-hmm. you know, which is perfectly reasonable, I would mm-hmm. I would suspect. But yeah, I, I really thought now Duarte obviously came off the injury and it was just god awful. But uh, you know, he's he's coming around now. Uh, I really like Jackson. That's why I wouldn't mind seeing the move Tice, you know, just to get some more minutes for him. Um, for uh um yeah, for uh who was I talking about again? Jackson. Jackson, thank you. <laughs> um so yeah, uh it's been a little it's been a little uh stunning actually to see how their minutes have uh have uh diminished. No, I, I completely agree, and I'm not trying to overreact. I feel like the whole Tice thing is just trying to get his value up as much as possible. But I think so, too. And we, we heard Carlisle say after the Kings game that he would give the game ball to Tice. It's like, okay, he is definitely gassing him up, just like he did Karis oh, Lumber yeah. before they traded him. And so I, I've been reading into that for a while. He did the same thing for Brogdon after the trade deadline last year. So, you know, that's, that's Rick's MO. He's really kind of savvy about it. Doesn't really show too much emotion, but you can just kind of read through the tea leaves there. But – uh, my last question for you here, it's like there's such a weird dynamic with how the standings look because if you look at the Western Conference, the Lakers have a better record than the Pacers, but they're 13th in the West. So that means yeah. only two teams in the West have worse records than the Pacers right now at 10. And the pa- that means the Pacers would be around seven. I think they're tied for the seventh worst record in the NBA. So they could still technically make the play-in game and still be a, but they could still be a top eight team is what I'm saying in the draft. So oh, they, yeah, that's true. That's so true. there's that that double-edged sword of, like, you could maybe get two games of experience with the playing thing. Hopefully you don't win it to get to the playoffs. But with the way the records, re- like, go back to reseeding of the records, you could still be in that 7-8 to eight range. I think that you maybe just kind of ride it out and let it be what it is. Yeah, I, I think so. And, again, uh, with the trade deadline, I don't think you're in a position just yet to go and improve your team measurably, immeasurably, I think. You got to get assets. I look. I mean, I think it would be, you know, there's value. I think in making uh, the playing game, but at this point, I just want as high a draft pick as I could possibly get if I'm the Indiana Pacers. And no, I get you. Um, uh, I I just think if you put yourself back in with a chance, what ten percent chance, whatever the number might be, um, I think you take that risk because this team. You know they're they're interesting, they're exciting, they're more fun to watch than any team I've seen in the last couple of years here in Indiana. But I they're they're still they're still a ways away, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm not sure that one or two games is really worth uh, losing a chance at uh, picking high in that draft. I'm right with you. Look, despite being 25 and 30, I'm having a blast watching this team. I know many others are. And I do think if you could add one more stud in the draft, one yes. more top 10 pick, you could go a long way with a core that's already featuring Halliburton, Matherin, Turner, Nemhard. I mean, there's a lot of young players to be excited about. Then you have other good rotational players that could develop. So I'm very excited where the Pacers are at. But, Bob, I want to thank you very much for coming on our show once again. Always a pleasure to have you on. Please tell everybody where they could find you on the social media and some awesome content that you're putting out. Well, I'm at The Athletic, so go to the uh, theathletic.com, and uh, hopefully you'll subscribe. It's not terribly expensive. We've got some good stuff. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a dedicated Pacers writer 
these days we used to. Um, but uh, I try to fill in the blanks where I can. So, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at B Kravitz. Great stuff. And I'm going to ask you one Colts question here to round things out. Prediction. I don't for- know. <laughs> Who do you want to be the next head coach? I'm thinking I got three choices. Raheem Morris, yeah. because I like guys who've done it before. And there are two young offensive minds, uh, Brian Callahan and Shane Steichen, who okay. I think would be uh, really interesting uh, coaching candidates, especially since the Colts are uh, going to go get themselves a quarterback here in the upcoming draft, for one would think. What quarterback are you wanting them to get? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, uh, <laughs> well, if if Bryce Young, if they can move up to one, I'd be happy with Bryce Young. Okay. If not, um, you know, I have not honestly seen a lot of Will Levis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen more of C.J. Stroud. So yeah, I could give you an answer, but it would be complete nonsense. Nah. Uh, you know, I, I I like I like physically, you know, the traits that Levis brings. He's a bigger guy, he can run, he's got a really good arm. Uh, but Stroud, man, Stroud looks so good in the playoffs. So, I don't know. I, I don't think they can go wrong wherever they go. Fachi, what do you think? I mean, I, I'm far more familiar with Stroud uh, as well as Bryce Young. Going to be honest, did not watch a lot of Kentucky games. Over I did the last not either, yeah. They were pretty act- irrelevant, so I don't blame you. Exactly. I'm not going to act like I know a lot about his game, but I don't think you can go wrong with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I just don't think Bryce Young's fallen <laughs> past uh, one. I think that the Bears could end up doing a trade. I think so, too. And that trade may involve the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, Good. it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, I'm pro- I'm probably more intrigued by Levis than a lot of people, just because, mm-hmm. like you said, all of the traits. But uh, it'll be fun. But anyway, Bob, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll have you on again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. There you have it. Bob Kravitz, Fachi. What do you think about what he had to say? Always a pleasure having Bob on. I mean, obviously, Bob was the one that kind of broke the article out there about the Grizzlies and Pacers situation. Very unique situation that, 
you know, he had some good details on. I, I really hope in the end that it wasn't a gun because it's like, what are we doing here? We're here to play basketball. When it wasn't um, a PowerPoint presentation. It, it, Bob made it very clear it was not a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to be honest. I used to play around with uh, laser pointers when I was, I don't know, below the age of 10, but uh, never in a harmful way. More of like yeah. you might bring it into school and, and shine it on the board a little bit, distract your teacher, not uh, trying to disguise it as anything else. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I've even seen, you know, people have like lasers on like a BB gun and stuff like that, where they've shined them at people before. I'm not saying it was a BB gun. I'm just saying, you know, I've seen lasers on guns too before where people are just like, just trying to be done with it. And maybe that's what it was. I mean, I probably would believe the Pacers team security knowing it was a gun laser versus anything else. So uh, obviously a scary situation. Glad it seems resolved. Thought it was interesting that, you know, the Pacers players were asked about it. And Carlisle was asked about it, and the Pacers YouTube channel for their post-game press conference took those questions off on the video. So they're really trying to keep this hush-hush and just kind of move on from it, so we don't want to hammer that too much. But one thing I thought that was super interesting, and I'm sure people are going to get mad about, saying Miles Turner <laughs> is a trade candidate in the offseason. I just thought that was funny that he brought that up. Um, I think a lot of people are just hoping that Turner stays here and we can put these rumors to bed, but... Yeah, I do feel like, unfortunately, there's going to be some talks of that potentially in the offseason. When you're talking about putting these rumors to bed, I, I'd like to tuck them in. You know, I'll fluff the pillow <laughs> and everything, put them to sleep, because at this point, I just want to be able to move on from it. There was yeah. this span where we were always like, well, Turner could get moved. We're hearing this team has interest. I At this point, it feels like Turner could retire, and they'd still be talking about trading him. <laughs> it, it's just it's going to follow him forever. He just seems to be the traded rumor guy. But for right now, we're 24, 48 hours away from the deadline. While we're recording this, I do not see Turner getting moved now. And I don't see him getting moved in the offseason. But yeah. we can't say that he can't get moved overall because, hey, still got two more years to play on that contract. And it's a very appealing contract around the league. Yeah, never say never. It depends. If you get Wimbledon, does that change your thinking on things? You know what I'm saying? Like That's why I'm saying never say never. But yeah, I'll just put it this way. I like what Bob said about how they wanted to see if this was a more than just a prove it year for miles. If he can do it consistently, that's why they didn't want to commit the four years, that kind of thing. So it does make some sense behind the logic. And they were in that unique situation with the renegotiation contract to offer him the additional money up front. So I, I think it makes sense. But Fachi, um, I think that's going to wrap up our episode for today. So let the people know where they can find us at on the good old social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, to find all of our content there. I'm going to do my very best to have this Bob Kravitz episode available on YouTube as well. So it'll be available on the audio version. Usually always will be for about 24 hours. And then we put the YouTube video up just because... We like our podcast listeners that are faithfully subscribing to get the content first. So check out that as well. But Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to be back in action against the Miami Heat on Wednesday night, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We going to need a mop. Smooth. Mm -hmm.